0: Because it's easy not to spend all of your money when there's this thing that you're looking forward to in the future that you know every time you don't spend money, you're taking one step towards that goal.
1: Hi, I'm Terry Schauer, and you're listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello, real estate fans, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. I'm here today with David Dipong, who's joining me from L.A., Love L.A. We used to go out there a fair bit. I haven't been in a while, but one of my favorite cities in the States. How you doing, David?
0: I'm so good. We just got through the rainy season, so now the sun's out, 60 degrees, loving it for a winter.
1: Oh, man. We still have snow on the ground here. <laughs> so, David, I want to share with our audience a little bit of some of your wisdom around an issue that is really hitting canadians hard and i think probably a lot of americans well who live in big metro areas which is that you know entry-level house home costs are so high that it's you know used to be kind of a milestone on people's life progression that they could think oh one day i'm going to buy myself a single family home and i'm going to be able to raise my family there but that's becoming increasingly difficult and it sounds like you know you've written a book on this topic what what's your take
0: Uh, Well, you're absolutely right. There's become a dichotomy of people who own real estate, at least one property, who are able to save and pass that property on, and their kids can get another property, and suddenly generational wealth can be built over the course of a few generations. However, because of the markets over the last 20 years and how fast our cost of living has increased, how fast the prices of our homes have increased, you're basically either a homeowner who has a great investment and all those tools at your fingertips or you're somehow feeling like you're trapped in renting and you just can't see the path to get there anymore.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, us, uh, especially COVID had, the Canadian market went up, I think it's something like 35 to 40%. Um, and that just put those starter homes, like the property ladder, The bottom rungs on the property ladder have just gotten so high that they're out of a lot of people's reach. And so, you know, we had a little bit of an off camera chat before where you were just telling me, you know, now because of how difficult it's become to do that, people are having to look at the way they do things, look at their finances and tighten up their game, set their goals like in a more diligent and conscientious fashion to be sure that they're able to actually get there. So, I mean, what does that look like on the ground? Like, what kind of things are you seeing?
0: Honestly, it means living with a little bit more intention earlier than you might have thought you had to. So oftentimes, I end up working with clients for years before they're able to purchase their first home, and we have to do some sort of a combination of down payment assistance, grants that are offered by the local government, creative financing to help people be able to afford their mortgage, and the higher prices go the longer that time frame of preparation becomes. So I'm finding out that I have to reach people in their 20s if they want to buy a home by their early 30s. I have to reach people in their early 20s if they want to buy a home before the end of their 20s. I have to reach people and teach them a few simple ways that'll reduce their cost. In LA, the and in most of America, your credit score is uh, the biggest factor on your monthly payment because of your interest rate. Well, most of our youth isn't taught how to maintain that credit score. And you can, the cost of buying your own can increase by 20% if you have poor credit versus good credit because you'll get a 6.5% interest rate versus an 8% interest rate. Well, through saving, through better financial education from giving people the information earlier, we're sort of opening up a path for these younger people who maybe don't think they can afford to buy in these new markets to buy something, to buy that first starter property, the investment property that it, that's going to grow into enough equity over the course of the first 10 years that you own it, to buy the home to buy the, the 20 to 30 year forever on the one where you raise your children because real estate doesn't slow down. And when you look at the minimum it takes to buy something anywhere, that rarely comes down. The, ma- the maximums generally fluctuate. The luxury properties generally fluctuate. But if you're looking in an area with a good school that you want to live, that you know the cheapest thing you can buy is a million dollars. And that thing still needs work. Well buy you almost have to be able to get on board with that and say, We're gonna find a way to buy the most affordable thing and just by nature of the market in a few years, just like you said during COVID, we'll end up with thirty percent more equity. If we could only figure out how to make it through this first five year period where buying might be uncomfortably more expensive than how we were renting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And, it, you know, actually, these are conversations that I'm having more and more with, you know, some of my coaching clients. I've, I have people who come to me from Toronto is probably the most overpriced, you know, market in Canada that because the average property or even the cheapest property in that city is out of reach of the first step that a lot of people can make. My advice ends up being go and invest in a secondary market as an investment and maybe continue renting and then you know eventually once you've built equity in that investment property it's allowed you to get onto the property ladder and then by a process of stepping stones you can kind of you know walk your way then where you might if you want to use that capital at some point to buy a home or either to rent something nicer in the market that you live in that's also an option once you've generated that uh cash flow that's going to allow you maybe to extend what your Nine to five job would allow you to do, but I'm curious, David. Like, I, you know, one of the things that struck me was you're talking about having to reach people earlier, and I think, you know, that's so true. In that, you know, maybe for us, I don't know, you know, at what age you started worrying about homeownership, but like when I was at 20 years old, that was not something I was worried about. I, I worried actually about investing long before I worried about buying my home. But I think for a lot of people, that's like something that happens by the time they're 30. But so much of the water has already passed under the bridge by then, that really what you're saying is people need to start preparing when they're quite young with this goal in mind, because it's something that's going to take them 10 years to be able to attain. Is that, is that correct?
0: Yes, because look at the average course of a person's life. They get to a school, they go to college, they have some amount of debt, they get a job that pays them better for their education. And then they immediately say, okay, well, I would invest in my 401k, my company match, my whatever investment tools.
1: Up in Canada, we call it RSP. It's <laughs> so 401k, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so alongside that conversation needs to be, if you intend to buy a home when you're 30, even if that is the age that it first becomes accessible, here's what properties are worth now. Based on the last 50 years of data, the last 30 years of data, Here's what they could be worth then. Here's how, many, here's how much money you'll need. And you can start establishing a, you know, I'm going to save one or $200 a month for these next five years. If you have to, you're going to look at programs that can help you in your area. You're going to see, okay, if I want to invest in myself, if I need this type of life, if I want this quality of life, this home, this area, here's what I need to get my income to, here's what I need to save. And you can start if listen, if you decide after working towards that goal for a few years that that's just not the goal for you anymore, that's great. You're still mile ahead and you can make another decision. But the issue that, that you're primarily facing now is that people get to 30 and they start about, they're having a kid and they start thinking about homeownership. And now I have to come in and say, well, based on this, this, this this, it's going to take you three, four more years. To And it overwhelms people. It's very easy to take life day by day, which is why we need to break down these goals so far in advance. But it's hard to say, well, now now that you need it, it's going to be at least five more years. And suddenly the impatience kicks in and the overwhelm kicks in. And the stress and everything that's going to prevent you from becoming the person who can achieve that, who can afford that hope, starts to hinder you.
1: So I want you know, you at the beginning you kinda alluded to um credit as being one thing that is on not on a lot of young people's radar and that is like really key to being able to um, you know, get get cheap credit, like cheap loans later on. I'm assuming you're seeing some other uh behaviors. Like I could tell you one of the conversations that I have a lot with, you know, students and younger people who are maybe not at that point where they're ready to make a buying decision yet, but where they're looking at cutting the biggest cost in their life which is basically housing right and so like at, you know at any given point housing is supposed to take somewhere between 33 to 50 percent of your income in some you know expensive places it will cost more than that but because of the size of that expense you know one of the things that i advise people to do when they're younger which is what i did when i was younger is house hacking right and whether it means having roommates whether it means renting a bigger place and portioning out those rooms or, you know, having a property and maybe airbnb being it part of the time. Like, whatever you can do to cut that housing expense is, you know, another thing that young people can do to help build that down payment money and kind of get them thinking like an investor, even when they're not ready to start investing. Do you have some other tips like that besides working on your credit? You know, house hacking is one I like. What else, what other things can young people do to let, be sure that they're in that position that they need to be in to afford such an expensive property when they're ready to start getting on the ladder.
0: Well, I want to address what you said, because the son's credit, house hacking is going to be one of the norms moving forward. So instead of buying a first home that's single family and it's four, three, four, five bedrooms and you live there by yourself, it's going to be buying a duplex with your parents and splitting the mortgage. It's going to be buying a three-bedroom house when you're younger and renting the extra two bedrooms out to cut your mortgage in half because you could afford to own the property that's more expensive if your mortgage is lower and when you're in your 20s and 30s, which the data shows more and more people are comfortable having their roommate, having roommates during those years. So you're going to have to find ways to own that property by reducing that cost. We have ADUs, accessory dwelling units, where you can turn your garage now into a guest unit as long as you go through the proper permitting process. So some people live in the house, they live in one bedroom, they rent the other bedrooms, they rent out the garage, and suddenly they're living in a house they own for less than $2,000 a month that costs more than a million dollars. There has to... No property becomes a great investment day one. It has to be... A combination of factors. Keeping your credit store up in advance. Saving at least 1% of the down payment here. In advance are ways you can do that. House hacking is the second way you can do that. And then further looking at the data. Getting a professional like me or like a broker to provide to you all of the information you might ever need to buy up. You don't have to buy up now. But if you get all of the information and in, it will give you the chance to make the best decision for your family. It'll give you a chance to sit with it for a few months, a few years, and break it down to the most minute details and say, okay, instead of having to buy a home and having to save $40,000 for a down payment, and having to do all this, I only had to take this one next step. I only had to figure out how to not spend more than I make this month. And then once I'm comfortable not spending more than I make, I only have to figure out how to save an extra $100 per month. And then over the course of years, you can turn those success habits into, well, now I live under my means and I save $500 a month and I live with room and you're full speed ahead towards investing. But it's not going to be, there's a magic pill. Now, I just, unless somebody gives you the money, it's going to be a combination of all of those factors. And then what I recommend to my clients is, yeah, you have a great rent control apartment, sure, keep it. Put a family member in there, figure out how to have that. But your first investment should be in a place that has the highest percentage of growth. If there's a city near you that businesses are moving into, that they're building transportation for, that they're the county, the city, the state, wherever you live is investing a lot of money into over the next 10 years, even if that part of town isn't as nice as you might have wanted it, or it's a little more, let's call it, sketchy than people would like to have it. Now, those are the areas that 10 years from now you look at, and they, they 100% in value has gone up. You get most of that in the last five years after a lot of the development is done. But you have to be looking at this as the long-term investment that it is. It's not... I'm going to buy a home and sell it in two years and sell it in two years and make a lot of money either. It's where can I buy now that makes the second property possible? I mean, where can I buy the second property that makes sure the investment's going to always pay me back later? You know, it's, it's a 10-year pro- rotation. One property, two properties, three properties. And then if you've done it right, your kids, the next generation, will have one or two properties that are paid off That they can turn into four properties without having to work half as hard as you did to create these tools to build that wealth from scratch.
1: Did you know the Real Estate Investors Club podcast is starting a mastermind? Imagine having the power and the knowledge that's shared in these podcasts in a group setting. You get to have accountability, build a peer group, and also develop a network that's going to help support your real estate goals. Please check out more information at terryshower.com and select the Mastermind tab on the drop-down menu on the left. Enjoying the episode so far? Have you really been listening to the episode, or has your monkey mind been taking you off in one direction or another? Our mental habits can be our biggest assets or our biggest liabilities as we pursue certain goals. For me, the biggest performance gains have always come from training my mind. In my book, Mindful Landlord, I talk about how you can train your mind and how you can apply some of these strategies to your journey in the real estate field. The book is available on Amazon and also on its website, MindfulLandlord.com. Now I'll stop evangelizing for the power of mental training and let you get back to the show. Yeah, I think I think that's like really excellent advice. And, you know, like as you're talking, like one of the, the things that comes to mind is what it takes to get into college, right? Put together a college application if like maybe that's you're not in a family where that kind of thing is taken for granted, right? Like that's not something that you wake up one morning. I'm 16 years old. I want to, for us as university, I want to apply to university and like get a degree or get into like a really good school. Like that's not something that you decide one day to the next. That's something that you start preparing for when you're 10 years old and you're like, okay, I want to put myself in a position that when I'm 16, 17, 18 years old, I'm going to be getting acceptance letters from the colleges that I want to go to. And what's happening is that this, it's home ownership is becoming the same kind of thing. And it's becoming the thing that, like you said, you have to prepare for in, you know, a diligent way by doing things like spending less than you earn by potentially considering secondary markets. And like, I really, you know, like that advice about, you know, people being strategic in terms of maybe considering investing first before looking at a home and making sure that they're doing that in a growth market, which might be growing faster necessarily than the area that they want to live in one day. Because, like you said, when you look at you know specific places that either there's industries that are growing or that municipality is investing a lot into infrastructure or something, there will be like growth areas, and you, with through research you can find that. And by placing your chips in that market, when it comes time to cash them in, you're likely to have a bigger pile than maybe you know somebody else would if they'd picked something else. So I think that's I think that's you know good good advice. Is there? A, can you, is, are there other things that you suggest for people to do besides that, you know, having that kind of investing pattern and like, you know, house hacking, credit scores, what else?
0: The, really the biggest issue I found is that I want to touch quickly on some things you said. The, the information isn't there. So just like you said, some people don't go to college. Well, if they didn't go to college, when they have kids, they maybe want their kids to go to college, but they have no experience. With the process of teaching their kids to go, to so when you're buying a home or you're going to college, it falls down to the parents to educate you, and they can only educate you as well as they likely did or their parents educated that. So it becomes about teaching the parents and then getting them more comfortable having the conversations with their kids when they're younger. In our society, where I don't want to say we're getting more immature, but we're living longer. And we have things like TikTok and Instagram and all these other things that are fun. And so people you know, will be living at home with their parents longer. People will be doing things that they used to not do after they were 18 or 21 100 years ago. You know, have still find people living at home in their 30s now. And so there's this combative thing where you need to get comfortable talking about the tough subjects with your family early. And even though they might be out longer, everybody's going to live longer. You're going to own these homes longer. You need to, cha- you need to be the change. You need to communicate and you all need to collectively find the information that you're missing because the people who have the information have a much easier time going about it. The, the second thing is that you really have to, the, what makes all of this e- easier is there's not really a magic fix for the money. You have to save. You have to spend less than you make. You have to invest in your future. What makes that easier is establishing goals. And I know everybody talks about making goals, but goals that matter to you. (laughs) You need to look at the person and the life you want to have. If you want to have four kids, that's great. If you want to be, if you want to marry and travel the world and you never want to have kids, that's great. If you If cars are what make you happy, and you need to figure out how to invest in your life so that you can own a home, you can reduce your cost of living, and you can spend that money on cars, that's great. No one's here to judge you. But when you find that goal, when you say, hey, before retirement or before age 55, I want to be able to not work if I don't want to. I want to be able to do this. I want to hit these goals. You have to figure out how to connect with them. Because it's easy not to spend all of your money when there's this thing that you're looking forward to in the future that you know every time you don't spend money, you're taking one step towards that goal. Or it's easy to get in shape when you're like, I'm going to have a family. I need to be in shape. I need to be able to take care of them. I need to live longer. I have a son coming in April. It's easy for me to make sure that I make that 30 to 40 minutes of exercise every day that's you know, recommend it because I know it will allow me to be the person I want to be for that. So half of it is financial, but half of it is mental. You have to become aligned with the person that had those things that you want. And then use that to motivate you. Use that to get you up in the morning. Use that to figure out how to get there. And then there are professionals out there that could help you. You need a fitness, you need a uh, you want a lifestyle coach. You want a personal trainer. You want a financial advisor. A real estate broker. All these people exist to give you all the information once you decided who you want to be.
1: Yeah, yeah i i uh, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. And I think you know one of the things that a um, conversation that I've been having more and more now is it's a bit of a cliché now to say you would find your why and you know the no, know, know the person that you want to be. But I think like i never really resonated with that question so much but when it starts being more about you know who are you responsible for and what is the effect of the person that you are and the things that you're able to you know provide for the people around you or the doors that you're able to open for them like you know health is a super easy one because if you know you're a parent or you want to you want to have a family or you want to be able to take care of your spouse or your parents into their old age like having the energy and the health to be able to do that is essential in the same way that, you know, financially being able to take care of the people around you and, you know, material, you know, without, without going too crazy, like your material circumstances do have an effect to up to an extent on the kind of life, the kind of opportunities that you can have. And if, if it's important to you to be that person who can, you know, change maybe your family's path to wealth or change the access that you have to things or get onto that homeownership ladder. If for your family, that's not something that was, you know, in the realm of possibility. Like, I think that's a goal that can inspire a lot of people, not necessarily of like, you know, just in the magic wand way of like, oh yeah, you know, I would like to visit 86 countries before I die, right? Like... (laughs) You know, not to say not to disparage that goal, if that's like somebody's reason for getting out of bed in the morning. But, you know, I find that when it's a question of framing it in terms of the people that you care about or the difference that you can make in your surroundings, and your community, and your family, like those are really profound things that I think a lot of people can connect with. And what is more profound than connecting that to owning a home, to changing your family's financial circumstances?
0: I mean, I call it I, t- I try to steer away from the big Y label. More, more so than not, it is about living with intent and connecting to your reasons, but I, I prefer to refer to it as living by design. I don't have everything I want. I don't have all of the wealth that I want. I haven't hit the end goal for any of my areas of my life, but if I can figure out how to be that person or one step closer to that person, to those goals every day, Not only am I enjoying my life more, or one step more every day, I'm also getting closer to those goals. Impatience stresses us that. Like, we don't believe we have enough time to do anything. And that might be true for some of us. We might not hit where we want to hit, when we want to hit it. But at least if you're taking one step towards that person, When you're living by design, when you're saying, today I'm going to change this, and I'm just going to change this, and I'm going to maintain it for two weeks, and then two weeks from now, I'll change one more thing. You get to be, you get to enjoy the process more, instead of saying, instead of putting the big uh, comparison of working hard until you retire, and then having fun, or having fun now when you're young and you want to have fun, but not having enough resources when you retire, you can bridge the gap and say, okay, I am going to invest and do all the things I need to do for post-retirement passive income, but I'm also going to enjoy who I am a little bit more every day instead of needing that that joy to be around how much money I can spend on myself right now and how much traveling I can do. It can just be about enjoy who i am more every day yeah. and then having the best of both
1: yeah i mean <laughs> you said you're you know you're about to become a parent i think what you will discover when you have a little kid is that human desire is endless you know and like sometimes i'll, yeah. I'll we have a seven-year-old and sometimes i'll like look at my husband and be like wow like if you ever needed to be taught something about human nature like just observe your kid who Gets a piece of candy and then five minutes later is like having a fit because they didn't have the cookie or the Lego or the or this thing or the that thing. And it's like, it's just endless. And the minute you get one thing, there's like another thing behind that that you want, Where? right? I want oh.
0: this. I want this. I want this. Well, <laughs> that, I mean, that's that self awareness. You need to figure out what you actually want because we're not kids anymore. Once we're half 18, you can figure out what you want. Or more or less the direction you want things to be in and you can say like okay well it's not easy right now but if I dial in and I micro step I just focus on my health for this year but I take 365 steps in the right direction for that and then I do the next organization within three to five years you can be the person who has enough funds to buy a home you can be in the ideal shape or body you want or you know The rest of your life, you can just maintain it with a lot less energy. You can be the person that you want to be in your personal relationships. You can, by adjusting who you are to be that person, you can address your mental health. You know, it might seem like a long time to cover all of these categories. And yeah, maybe when you're younger, four or five years seems like a long time. But when you turn the page and you look at the macro, you take it five, three to five years to change your whole life. And now you're going to live the next, you know, you're 23, you're 25. they you're going to live the next 60 to 70 years exactly as the person you want to be, achieving what you want to achieve. No, There's nothing that can stop you at that point because you've got so much practice in the habit of achieving your goals and in the habits of succeeding that you'll be able to find a way to buy something. You'll be able to find a way to get there because you just, you'll have to. Like you'll have to leave something behind for the next generation so that they'll have something to leave behind for their next one.
1: And like, you know, listeners, that time's going to pass anyway, right? Like those next five years are going to happen. And if you use them wisely, you know, as David's suggesting, which I also agree with, you know, making those incremental improvements to strategic areas of your life to, 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 you know, stack up some of those rewards and have you then, make progress in the direction you want to make it in, Like that time's going to pass. So it's a question of how you use it. David, I want to thank you so much for taking this time and you know sharing with our audience. We're coming up on just about all the time we have for this episode. What have I missed? I know you've written a book. Um, maybe you want to tell us about it real quick.
0: So it's called The Long and Not So Short of It because everybody loves to summarize. They like to say the long and the short of it is and skip all of the words in between. Well, Life is long, and there's a lot of information that you need. So the long and not so short of it is, here, read this book, get this information, and at least start being able to use those tools to be that person that you want to be. It should be out sometime in April or May, depending on how much time the new baby takes for me. To wrap it all up in a nice but. Hi, you can reach me at www.DePaulRealEstate, so that's my last name, realestate, R-E-A-L-E-S-T-A-T-E dot com. And like Terry said, you're already going to be living all this time anyway. If there's a program you can sign up for, if there's a coach you can connect with, if there's home buying assistance from a local municipality, if there's something that you can leverage to benefit... It doesn't matter how long it's going to take. You're already going to be waiting that time anyway. You're already going to be living that time anyway. The worst case scenario, you find out you can do something faster or better without the help. Best case scenario, you get the help when you need it. And you could actually afford to do by that. So it's just about leveraging your time because it's the most important and limited resource that you have.
1: I yeah. Uh... Couldn't have said it better myself, David. Thank you so much for joining me today. Obviously, all the links that you've mentioned will be in the show notes. I'm assuming that you're taking pre-orders for the book, so you know you yes. can provide that information as well. We'll drop it in the uh, in the show notes. David, thank you again. And uh, real estate fans, be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. And if you found that you know anything of this was a value was shared in this episode, go ahead, send it to someone who you think needs to hear it. I can definitely think of a bunch of young people who would profit from reconceptualizing a little bit how we think about home as a long-term goal. Something like getting into college. That if you want to start setting yourself up to be in a position to do that one day, better to start sooner rather than later. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. If you want to own more buildings like my mom, like and subscribe. And share this episode with anyone who you think could profit from it. See you next time, real estate fans.